0: Would you meet me in your Bibles in the Old Testament book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, where we will be reading together in just a few moments that section of the second book of the Bible? It is easy to find. We're right around Exodus 32, 33, 34 over the course of the next few minutes together. Thank you for being here. It is a joy to be with you. As Roger introduced us this morning, welcomed us all, a joy to be with you on this best day of the week. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We've said that a lot over the last several weeks. In fact, the the glory of the Lord is a focal point for us in this first quarter of 2024 as we learn more and more about bringing the best when you think of that word glory we've talked about several different words several different ideas from that that key verse 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do do all to the Glory of God. When you think of glory, what goes through your mind? It is an ancient word that we have translated into English. In the language of the Old Testament, curiously, it literally means heavy. And that might not make a whole lot of sense to us until we realize how often we use the same idea. In fact, we might describe an idea as being weighty, having some weight to it. It is a a heavy idea in the sense that It carries some significance. We might look at a person and describe them as having a lot of gravitas. And you even hear the word gravity very, very close to that. What we mean by that is, as we look at that person or interact with that person, they have a a personality or an air about them that... Is hard to ignore. We might describe certain situations as heavy. In the sense that there isn't anything flippant about them. They, they carry a great deal of gravity. We even describe people here and there as. Well he is someone who likes to throw his weight around. Maybe sometimes acts like a a bull in a china shop. And what we mean by that is, well, this this person has a certain influence or reputation and maybe they are are keenly aware of their influence and, and in throwing their weight around they might be insulted that they are not being treated as gloriously as they think they deserve when you think of glory what comes to your mind in an assembly like this obviously I hope the who that comes to your mind is God when you think of his glory though what do you picture in your imagination i'm i'm guessing that most of us think of his might our creators glorious might after all it is his heavens above us that he has stretched out with his mighty hand and as psalm 19 reminds us His heavens declare His glory, His weightiness. He ought not to be ignored. The sky above us proclaims His handiwork. The prophet Isaiah asked in Isaiah 40, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? You look at those verbs describing what our God is done. That is glorious weighty work. In Psalm 65, by awesome deeds, speaking to God, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by His strength established the mountains, being girded with, here it is, His might. It is his might that enables him to still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. What a mighty being. In fact, so mighty and so glorious, that our responsibility is not simply to recognize His might, but to point our children and our grandchildren to His glorious might. Psalm 78, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious... The, the heavy, the, the weighty, the truly significant deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. Using the second book of our Bible, the book of Exodus, I want to camp us at the, the feet of His glory this morning. It is one of the key words in the story of Moses and Moses being sent by God to break the rebellious arm of Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of bondage toward that lamb that he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and you can't pay attention and carefully read the first few chapters of Exodus... Without beholding his glory. His glorious might. It's what led to that showdown with the king in Egypt. And God said even before it began. I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty, a strong, a weighty, a significant hand. If your Bible is open there to Exodus 32, you can read with me in verse 11 how Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O oh Lord, why Why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a a mighty hand? But even there, can't we hear? This is a difficult time in the life of the children of Israel. They have had front row seats to his mighty right hand. They know when they are thinking clearly, this is the mighty God who turned the waters of the Nile to blood and, and sent frogs and flies and Hail and darkness, this is the God who parted the waters of the Red Sea and kept those waters parted all night long with his mighty, glorious hand so that we could walk through on dry land. This is the God who has made water to flow out of rocks and and bread to fall from the heavens for us day by day. This is the God who made the mountain around which we have been encamped for nearly a year to quake and glow and rumble with fire and Smoke and the sound of an exceedingly loud trumpet. This God is a mighty, glorious God. But they didn't always live like that. They didn't allow His might to define the way they would live day by day. Exodus 32 is the story of their building a golden calf. You read with me beginning in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 1. Again, the children of Israel have been there for a year, essentially, at Mount Sinai. And after that ugly incident of the golden calf in Exodus 32, the Lord said to Moses, Depart. Go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land to which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Some time today, I would encourage you to read Exodus 32 and and 33 in its entirety. It is a major turning point in this long journey to the promised land. For now, skip down to verse 12 where Moses says to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. That I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. It's an incredible statement. Earlier in the chapter we read about... Moses meeting with God in the tabernacle. In fact, God talking with Moses face to face. Moses had an extraordinary relationship with God. I I don't know of another human being at this point who could have said, I have a better, a closer relationship with God. Here is Moses saying, Please show me your way. Verse 14, and he said, the Lord says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses responds in verse 15, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. And it's in this moment that Moses doesn't just rely on those face-to-face interactions with God. He he doesn't simply hold in his mind the memory of plagues and of God's glorious power as manifested on, on Mount Sinai. He doesn't just rest in God, would you please show me your ways. It's in this moment that Moses says, Please, show me your glory. I want you to think about that. Most of us, when we think of God's glory, we think of his might. And I don't know about you, but the first thing that goes through my mind when Moses says that is, Are you kidding, Moses? Think of all the glorious, mighty things, the weighty things that you have already seen. What do you mean? Please show me your glory. We'll come back to that in just a moment. It's in response that God says... I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I am who I am. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me Where you shall stand, stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face Shall not be seen. And what happens next is extraordinary. As God not only draws attention to his glorious might, but in response to his servants, Moses, Moses' plea, please. Show me your glory. God draws attention to to his character. And, And describes himself as he passes by with Moses protected there. In the cleft of the rock as in Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7. God, the Lord, I am who I am. A God merciful And gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Abounding in faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Would you keep your hand there and meet me in the middle of your Bibles in Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Let's think together. When God is asked by Moses, please show me your glory. He doesn't cause another earthquake. He doesn't cause fire to fall down from heaven. He, he doesn't raise Abraham from the dead and bring him to meet Moses in the flesh. When Moses says, please show me your glory. God reveals more of his character. In a truly glorious way. And if you can get the cadence of that description in your mind, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, you will hear it all over the Bible. In fact, it is the most often referenced statement in all of the Old Testament. Get it in your mind. A God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And you will see it everywhere. Here's one instance. Psalm 103. He is a God merciful. Look at verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion To those who fear him. He is a God merciful, compassionate, tender hearted. He is a God gracious. Look at verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts. Think of His might, His mighty acts to the people of Israel. But He didn't just show them what His mighty outstretched arm could do. He revealed Himself as a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In verse 10, "...He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities." We deserve punishment. We deserve death. But as the psalmist exclaims about the character of God, he uses this idea of God's grace. He does not give us what we deserve. In fact, he gives us gifts that we most certainly do not deserve. He is a God who is slow to anger. Look at verse 9. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He is patient and kind. Verse 14. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He is a God who Abounds in steadfast love. He is selflessly loyal. He keeps his word. Verse 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. He abounds in faithfulness. Look at verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone. That's what human life, human time on this earth, it is like. Its place knows it no more. But this God, The God of the exodus, the the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. He is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Foundational point that I would love for you to wrap your mind around this morning. We're going to hear all year long, if he wills. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What is glory? It's weightiness. It's significance. It's heaviness. And we see that in his might. But if you're going to see his glory as he would like you to see it, Look at his character. There's just one hiccup. And and we heard it in Ezekiel or Exodus chapter 33 and verse 20. Moses, you, you cannot see my face, it is too glorious, too significant, too heavy, too weighty. Man shall not see me and live. And that was true. In fact, it's reflected on even in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16, this is the God who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. Until... Would you meet me in the New Testament Gospel of John? John chapter 1. And I want you, having taken in the last 20, 25 minutes or so of this background from Exodus 32 and 33 and 34, I want you just to listen to the way John introduces his message of Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 14, the word, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And as now this old man looks back on those three years and, and the, the first word that comes to his mind to try and describe to us as an eyewitness what that was like, the, the word that he grabs a hold of is glory. We have seen his Glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. There was a man named John who bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me reigns before me because he was before me. For from his fullness God abounds. From his Fullness. We have all received grace on, on top of grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Messiah. And you need to understand, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He's made him known in fact on the the darkest of dark nights when one of the Apostles named Philip said to Jesus Lord would you just show us the father what was Moses's plea show me your ways And men like Philip believed that Jesus had done, that he had shown them the ways of God. And and then Moses was so bold as to say, show me your glory. And here is Philip, three years in, would you show us the Father and and it, it will be enough for us. And Jesus looks that man in the eye and asks, have I been with you so long and yet you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How is that possible? The Hebrews writer helps us to try and wrap our minds around that weighty, glory idea when he describes Jesus as the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. You listen to that this morning. You and I and every other human being, we can choose not to listen to Jesus. We can decide. There are other people who are taking him seriously. I'm not going to take him seriously. I'm just going to do my best to ignore him. There are others who are, for no good reason that I can discern, building their lives on what they describe as the rock. But I'm going to build my life somewhere else. I'm going to prioritize in a different way. I'm going to choose to live in a different way. And we've got that right for a little while. But you listen to this this morning. You cannot escape him any more than our planet Earth can escape the sun around which we are revolving. He is the exact imprint of the glory of God. The radiance, the the very representation in the flesh of God's nature. So what? Let's end in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you'll meet me there, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. What is the real goal of beholding the glory of God? We've talked about what it is. It is heavy, it was seen in the flesh, in the face. In the life of Jesus the Christ. What does that have to do with me on February 11th, 2024? Everything. The real goal of beholding the glory of the Lord is transformation. We got a hint of that in a passing statement that we read in, in Exodus 33 and verse 16 where God is asked by Moses, How shall it be known that I have found favor in your side, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? God, we're, we're going to need you. I don't know how we're going to get a couple of million Israelites across the Jordan River. I don't know how in the world these people are going to be fed and watered along the way. What in the world are we supposed to do when we go into the land with all of these fortified cities? God, we're going to need you and we're going to need your might. But we're also going to need your character. Your glorious character that changes our character into something that is distinct. And that's exactly the thread that the Apostle Paul in our last section of Scripture for the morning grabs a hold of in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Would you read it with me beginning in verse 7? He he describes what was going on there under Moses as the ministry of death whole lot of Israelites died in the wilderness. It it was a ministry that was carved in letters on stone. In fact, God had to do that on more than one occasion for Moses. And yet it came with such glory that the Israelites couldn't look at Moses' face because it was glowing. Gloriously. And that's been brought to an end, Paul says. But God's desire to have a relationship with you hasn't come to an end. In fact, it is extended through a ministry with even more glory. I can have a a relationship with this glorious God. That is hopeful good news. Look at verse 11. Since we have such a hope. Verse 12. We are very bold. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Do you hear that this morning? What happens when we behold the glory of the Lord? We are transformed. Into the same image from one degree of glory to another. How practical is that? It touches on everything. How many people did you interact with this week who like to throw their weight around? Like to be the biggest person in the room. Biggest personality? Everyone else is expected to maneuver around me. Everyone else is expected to revolve around me. And for a little while we can be glorious in our own eyes. But friend, you do not want to come face to face with this glorious God with that ridiculous attitude. How can you grow up? Behold his glory, his glory that transforms us from one degree of glory to another. That is what comes from the Lord who is the spirit therefore Paul says having this ministry by the mercy of God we don't lose heart we've renounced disgraceful underhanded ways it's, it's not about us anymore we we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word but by the open statement of the truth we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for his sake. The same God who mightily said, let light shine out of darkness is not just mighty in strength. He is glorious in character. And he wants to change and redeem your heart. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That good news had come to Corinth and Paul rejoiced and was encouraging them. No longer glory in ridiculous limited human things. Let's glory together in the word of the cross. Let's live in such a way that more and more and more people in Corinth and beyond will come to taste this grace of God and abound in thanksgiving all To his glory. But in order for that to happen. I've got to lay my heart at his feet. And allow him. The glorious God. Who inscribed his will on tablets of stone. In Moses' day. To start inscribing his will on the tablet of my heart, please show me your glory." And so we're going to stand and sing about how very real people in this room have seen the glory of God in in the life and the faiths and the the actions and the the sacrifice of Jesus. And, And three different times in the chorus we're going to sing, my eyes have seen your glory, my life forever changed. And that can be true of you this morning. We don't just notice... His glory, acknowledge His glory. We don't even just gather together on Sunday mornings and praise Him as the best. He teaches us to love Him. He changes our affections and reorients them around Him. He teaches us how to live for the glory of the best so that we can bring the best. the best. And it all is so very pressing this morning because one day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. One day he's coming when people asked what they needed to do in order to be saved by this mighty God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. They were told to turn away from their sin and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the very image of God in the flesh, For the forgiveness of their sins. And they gloriously responded. And were added by the glorious Lord to his glorious church. And went and shared glorious news for the rest of their lives. Bringing the best to the glorious best. That is the story of people who are heaven bound in this room this morning. And if it's not yet your story, all of that can change right here and right now. If you would let us know how we can help you by coming to the front while we stand and sing together.